Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're going to look at the second of two metaphors Jesus employed in his Sermon on the Mount to describe the influence his faithful people are to have in the world. Last week, we looked at the first one. We are to be the salt of the earth. This week in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus tells us that we are the light of the world. Yes, disciples of Jesus Christ Christians, believers, are told to be salt and light in a lost world. And that's true even though that same lost world is hostile to Jesus and his followers. So if it's our responsibility, how can we be sure we're shining the light the way we're intended to? Is your light shining through your life in a way that points to and glorifies God? Or does your life look so much like the rest of the world of unbelief that you appear as unlit as the next person. Well, I pray this week's message will inspire you to examine your own life and motivate you to make the changes you need to so that your lamp isn't hidden under a basket, but set on the light stand where it sheds light into a dark world. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, The Light of the World. So verse 15, back in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Not only are you like a city set on a hill, but he says, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Now, he's painting a a word picture here, using an analogy, a metaphor. Jesus has designed that his followers be both visible, people can see you, and radiant, You provide light wherever you go. So he uses the illustration of a lamp. Perfect illustration of what a Christian is to be. A lamp uh, does not produce light by itself. A lamp is a vessel through which light shines. Jesus is the light. We are the individual lamps in which his light shines shines. Now, lamps from those days and that culture are very well understood. The uh, archaeologists have uncovered a whole, a whole bunch of them. As a matter of fact, uh, go to Israel with me next year, and Lord willing, I'll take you to the village of Nazareth, and if they're still doing what they've been doing as long as I've known, they will actually give you your very own little oil lamp as a souvenir. I used one on Christmas Eve here uh, a year or two ago to, to, for, to start our uh, candle lighting service. Um, they're little clay things. They're, they're small enough to easily be held in your hand. They're kind of saucer-shaped, about six inches long, about four inches wide, a couple inches high. On one end is a handle, so you can carry it around. On the other end is a nozzle-shaped extension, or if it was a teapot, you would call it the spout, um, with a hole for a wick to pass through. On the top are a couple of holes, one for adding oil, 
one for making sure that it could draw air to help burn the, uh, the oil through the wick. The wick extends down into the little oil reservoir, and it draws it up to the end of the wick by capillary action. That exposed end of the wick is, is lit, and the amount of light is adjusted by how much wick you expose, and how, so how big, how big the flame is. That determines also how fast the oil burns. That process of adjusting the wick, trimming off the parts of the wick that have, uh, that, that have frayed so that it doesn't get smoky, that's called trimming the lamp. Jesus is seen in, in uh, Revelation 1, 2, and 3 as trimming the various lamps, which are the churches that are in existence at that time. Now, when you light a lamp like that, when you, we, think of it lighting a candle if you want to in our world, you, you don't light it and then put a basket over it. The basket he refers to is a, a bowl with a capacity of uh, roughly uh, two gallons. For those of you that are uh, fond of old-fashioned weights and measures, or maybe you've memorized verses in the King James Version, that basket that he refers to would hold a peck. Now, how many of you have done anything using the word peck that didn't involve a kiss uh, or a chicken? Uh, okay, a peck is a measure of, uh, of volume, and hence the archaic translation of this is a peck measure. You don't light the lamp and then cover it up. No, you, you, you light the lamp and you, and you put it up where it can do some good. Jesus is saying no one would light a lamp designed to illuminate and then cover it up. The logical thing to do is to put the lamp where it will most effectively spread its light. There are those who believe that the most spiritual thing that they can do is to completely withdraw from society, live in a monastery. That is the antithesis of the design of Jesus for His people. We're not to hide from the world. We're to go out into the world and illumine what's there, dispelling the darkness, if you will. So you put the light on a lampstand. The lampstand could be a, a little shelf. If you had, a, if you had a, a room big enough or a house big enough to have a, a beam across the center, you made a, attach a little shelf so you could put the lamp up high and near that beam so it could illuminate the whole one-room house, and then hence everybody in the house could see it. It could also be a, a, a single stone that's left projecting inward from the wall, set the lamp on there so it can illuminate the whole thing. It can be a, a piece of metal placed in the wall for the, for the same purpose. The point is that the lamp was lit for the purpose of being strategically placed to give as much light as possible to as many people as possible in as large an area as possible. And as I say, most of the houses were one room. So one lamp could literally give light to everyone who is in the house. Now, what a lamp was to a house, a follower of Jesus is meant to be to the world. A lighted lamp dispels darkness. A lighted lamp exposes what is there so you don't stumble over it in the darkness. A Christian is meant to dispel the darkness of sin, to bring the light of truth. The idea of a secret Christian 
is uh, an oxymoron. Theologically, you could just say moron. Uh, That's a contradiction. It's incongruous. We're not to be secret Christians in the world. We're on a light, light lighting or a lamp lighting mission. Now, God wants you to have influence on the world indirectly. Just your very presence, your testimony, your, your influence should um, slow down the rotting of things going on in the world. But your shining as light should expose what is there, reveal things, dispel darkness, bring truth. So that leads to the command. You are light. The point of verses 14 and 15 is you can't hide. You shouldn't want to hide. You are the light of the world. Now, verse 16, your mission, shine for the glory of God. Very familiar verse. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine is a, is a command in, in the Greek. We don't usually word commands that way, but this is a command in the strongest imperative form. It expresses urgency and immediacy because there is never a time when light is not useful in a situation. And notice he says, let your light shine before men. That's the target. People are meant to be able to see Christians who are Individually and collectively, the light of the world, they should be able to to see us. Men and women are born in darkness. They are trapped there until they are liberated. Their eyes are opened. They're enabled to see by the grace of God. Now, I want to show you something here. He says, let your light shine before men. The target is mankind, people. People should be able to see us. Now, I want to show you something that Jesus is going to say very soon in this sermon. Now, we have the advantage over the ones who initially heard this sermon. I've read these three chapters dozens and dozens and dozens of times. I know where he's going. I know who he's going to target here. And he is going to, he's going to leave the Pharisees and scribes in a theological shambles. when this is, He's going to expose them for, for what they are. But I want you to notice... An important contrast here. Move down to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, and you'll see Jesus say this. Now, what did He just say? Let your light shine before men so that they will glorify God. Chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, You have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Now, can you you spot the contrast that I'm getting at? The good works, the things done by believers that are good and attractive and useful and helpful, and they shine the light and they they slow down the, the, the the decay, they are to be done out of gratitude for salvation, You can only obtain this salvation, you can only attain this standing with God by grace through faith. And those works that we do in that way are pleasing to God. 
They can only be done by people who, who walk in His grace, who stand in His grace, who, who live in His light. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.